Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson and I run Stack, the subscription club that delivers a different independent magazine to your door every month. This week I'm speaking with Lena Fadel, one of the poetry editors at The Other Side of Hope, a magazine that centres around journeys in refugee and immigrant literature. It's based here in the UK and as you'll hear it is partly a literary magazine and partly a sort of community project because it's all about bringing people together and providing a platform for voices that wouldn't otherwise be heard. Now lots of magazines do that in their own way but the other side of hope is different because its fiction and poetry sections are only open to migrants while its non-fiction and review and interview sections are all migration themed but open to everybody. I really enjoyed speaking with Lena about that structure and what it brings to the project and also the special intimate understanding that the editors have for their writers who are often people who have experienced war and exile and may have English as a second or even a third language. The Other Side of Hope is quite an unusual magazine for us to cover because from a design point of view it's really quite a straight-up text-based literary journal but I think it's also quite an extraordinary project so I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Lena Fadel. Lena, thank you so much for making time to talk. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Steve. So uh, you are the poetry editor uh, of this thing called The Other Side of Hope, um, which is a pretty unusual magazine in a lot of ways. Maybe, maybe you could just give us a little bit of an idea of what is this thing all about? Um, certainly. Um, so at first glance, The Other Side of Hope is a literary magazine uh, with a specialization. But then um, when you look a little more closely, you'll find that describing the other side of hope as a literary magazine is a little bit unfair um, to the work that we do um, in the other side of hope. Um, you'll find that the other side of hope is a project of hope, uh, empathy, love and understanding. Um, in other words, it's it's our gift to those who have big and beautiful voices, but have been silenced by war, um, injustice, uh, racism, and much more. Um, so the other side of hope, to put it simply, is a platform and a home also for those voices. Um, and our mission goes beyond publishing these people's written work. Um, our mission at the other side of hope is to highlight those voices from marginalized communities, because we recognize that by doing so, we not only um, we not only elevate um, these people's unique narratives, but we also challenge existing power structures. Um, and by by doing this, um, you know, we also acknowledge that literature is a bridge. Uh, it fosters empathy. It, uh, it 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 also promotes understanding and the recognition of shared humanity. Um, we also operate as most other literary magazines in the world, but what sets us apart from other literary magazines is the fact that um, The Other Side of Hope is a magazine of sanctuary. Um, so um, 
we are run, we are a magazine run by a team of migrants and refugees, and we publish work written by refugees and migrants. Um, we do uh, so both in print and uh, online. Um, and um, I could probably uh, add that we are, um, we are a community project. Um, so it is fair to say that we sit somewhere between literature and community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and am I right in saying that this all started in 2021? Yes, indeed. And, and so who, who was it who, who made this happen in the first place? What, what was the story of it starting? Um, uh, that's a great question. So the project started as a vision um, um, by the founding editor, um, uh, our founding editor, Alex Plasatis, um, had a vision, uh, a literary vision of sorts, um, which he then translated into a seed which then grew to become the project that it is today. So like any other project, The Other Side of Hope was not created overnight. And our managing editor and um, founding editor, Alex, had the idea back in 2016. Um, the, uh, his idea was then about creating a space, a literary space um, for um, refugees and immigrants for writers from these communities who wanted to express themselves uh, in and through writing. Um, so, so yes, back in uh, 2016, um, Alex um, was at the time doing creative writing workshops with refugees. And he was also, um, you know, a writer himself. He, as you know, being a writer, he was also sending lots of short stories to literary magazines. Um, so he wanted um, a magazine that um, expressed that vision, um, an inclusive project that enabled people from marginalized communities to share their stories, their narratives, and tell their narratives the way they wanted it to be told. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how it all started, really. Mm. So, he, so he's doing these workshops in 2016, and then it was in 2021 that he actually managed to launch the, the first issue. The, I mean, the, that's clearly a, a long time to kind of be be working and pulling the ideas together. Did do you know, like, had, did he have help in in actually making that first print issue? Was there a, was there like a, a nascent team? Um, I I think um you know uh, it it took probably a, a long time for the project to finally become a reality, uh, because um we needed funding and uh, thankfully the project finally became this real thing thanks to public funding from the national lottery um uh, through arts you know the arts council uh, england mm. um which really facilitated the process and kind of um you know enabled um uh, that initial vision to become a reality uh, but but um, you know, 
without the help of committed individuals, um, again, um, it wouldn't have been possible to establish um, this literary magazine of Sanctuary in 2021. Um, so many people have uh, helped make this um, uh, this idea a reality in 2021. Uh, well, so let, let's talk about some committed individuals then. How did you get involved with this project? Uh, what, what was kind of how did you first come across it and then what made you think this is something you wanted to work on? Um, so I, I had the honor of having one of my poems published in the second print issue um, um, the uh, back in 2022. Uh, following that, I'd attended an in-person launch event uh, down in Northampton where I met the magazine editors. Um, I remember at the time expressing um, my interest and my passion for the project and how I'd love to get involved if there ever was an opportunity for that. And uh, I was absolutely chuffed when Alex, um, the founding and managing editor emailed to ask if I'd be interested in joining the, um, the, the editing team of the poetry section. Um, so the project at, at the time spoke to me in so many ways. Um, I am an academic and a researcher with a lived experience of migration. Um, uh, I'm a Syrian living and working in Scotland. Uh, and in my work, I'm interested in representations of migration and migrants and refugees, sense of home, identity and belonging. Um, so in my work, I advocate for the power of narrative and voice and storytelling in healing and building strong and inclusive multicultural communities. So the other side of hope um, is a project that has narrative, voice, representation, agency, uh, and dismantling power hierarchies, things that I'm very passionate about. Uh, it has all of these things written all over. So to me, it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> yeah, and I'm very proud and grateful to be part of such a great family of dedicated and talented individuals. Yeah, yeah. well, you can see how this whole thing has just completely uh yeah it, it's presented you with like the perfect package for for what you uh, are interested in studying the you've talked already about the fact that this is a literary magazine edited by immigrants and, and refugees and the fact that you know there clearly seems to be some kind of um i guess it's kind of giving agency there it's not saying hey you can write the piece in our magazine it's saying like this whole magazine is run by and for people like you so that it feels like there's a real kind of like sort of center of power there but one of the things that really struck me as interesting is that the magazine is split and so you start with the fiction and poetry section uh so poetry sections and that's unthemed uh and only open to migrants so that so basically everyone who is contributing fiction or poetry is, is somebody who has lived experience of this and then you get the non-fiction and reviews and the interviews and that's all migration themed but is completely open to all and the, I, i'm interested in like how you like what led you to that kind of structuring for the magazine 
I wasn't uh, with the magazine uh, right from, uh, you know, when it was first established. Um, but I could probably share a little bit about our vision and how would like um, we have created a magazine uh, or a, a space for our contributors uh, that is inclusive, um, that um, a space where they can express themselves and their ideas. So the whole idea obviously started with us wanting to attract um, individuals with lived uh, experience of migration or with, um, uh, you know, uh, who have been refugees themselves and who have this passion uh, for writing, but they haven't been provided with a platform. Um, so we have provided these people with this platform. We are basically telling them, you're welcome to share um, your stories with us and the world through this platform that is the other side of hope. But we have also thought that, you know, it would be uh, great to allow other people with no lived experience of migration to share their own reflections of what migration means to them, how they see migration uh, unfolding, how they see migrants and refugees. So in a way that was our, and the way I see it now that I've worked with the magazine for a full year, um, the way I see it is that we wanted the two, um, 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 these two groups of people to speak to one another. We didn't want to isolate our migrant writers. We wanted them to feel um, as part of a community and we wanted other people to come a little bit closer to um, the migrants and refugees. And so how do you go about finding those voices? Because, you, I mean, you clearly you, you've set yourselves a, a specific challenge here. How do you find the people who end up being contributors to the magazine? So we we find them and they find us. <laughs> I think we we um, we. We operate like any other literary magazine, as I as I just mentioned. We we do have our own website. We're active on social media. There are organizations out there where literary magazines promote their calls for submissions. So we do subscribe to all of these channels because we know that's where writers go to look for publishing opportunities. Um, now that were established, we've become a bit more established um, and have been around for a few years. Um, uh, we have connections, we have created meaningful uh, connections with refugee centers and public libraries uh, and also universities um, who also promote us um, through their own channels. Um, we also do donate copies of the magazine to these centers and um, visitors um, see our work and get to know about us um, through these centers. Um, we meet people at our launches. Uh, so we do have in-person launches and online launches every year. And um, uh, people who are interested in uh, publishing with us or who'd like to know more, find out more about um, our publishing process, they come up to us um, and uh, inquire if they want. So we do encourage that and we are open to anyone who's interested in uh, contributing. 
And do you find that your writers have generally they've been published before in other places or for a lot of them, is this the first place that they've been published? Um, so there's a mix. Um, I think uh, many of them have have been published, but some have not. And uh, really, the message that we want to send to the world is that, you know, we're here. We are happy uh, to uh, include your work if it meets our um, guidelines. So please reach out to us uh, because, you know, the world would like to hear your story. Sure. And then do you find that you do a lot of work with those uh, writers or, or, you know, kind of you, are you publishing the work kind of as submitted? In poetry, sometimes we do. Uh, but then even when we do, it's minimal. Um, when we do it, it's because we can see some value in what the writer has submitted. Yeah. And we recognize that their writing needs a bit of a push, um, but it's minimal, really. Um, mm. Sometimes, for example, I read a poem and I can see things that don't work particularly, but I know what the writer meant to say. Um, I think on these occasions, you know, we make some changes that would enhance the writer's original text without changing um, its personality, uh, the personality of the piece. We have this connection with our writers. We understand their work. We share the experience of speaking English as a second or third language. And some of us uh, also share the experience of being a refugee or an immigrant um, or the experience of loss, uh, of exile, uh, of war, of missing loved ones. So we see our writers, we understand their needs um, and it enables us to make minimal changes to their work if necessary. Mm -hmm. And then how about other kind of ways of, of eliciting those uh, those responses like for example do you run workshops or anything like that um we do not organize workshops uh, as such but we host um uh, we do launches uh, the launches i've just mentioned in person and online um which gives us the opportunity to connect with our contributors um on on a different level uh, so not just um, through the written word, but also with them as people, uh, as human beings. We also collaborate with um, a literary agency based in London. Uh, actually, this collaboration uh, only started um, uh, recently. Uh, so the literary agency is called AM Heath literary agency um, who each year selects six of our contributors to offer free one-to-one -one sessions to, um, which is absolutely amazing. Reading this latest issue, I was really struck by the different kind of qualities that you get from some of the fiction pieces, which I guess is where you'd expect to get, you know, maybe more of the creative writing as opposed to the nonfiction where, you know, it's much more about like recounting a person's experience that I'm really interested to know, like, what do you think is, you know, kind of what are the differences that you get between the fiction and the nonfiction? Um, that's a, that's a brilliant question. Um, I would say freedom. Um, and, and I'm not saying um, that one affords you freedom and the other doesn't. I mean, each genre gives you a different kind of freedom. Um, so let's dive into the world of 
storytelling for a moment and look at each one separately, fiction and nonfiction. Um, let's take fiction. Uh, well, it, it's like this fast playground of imagination, isn't it, fiction? Um, you, you, you've got the freedom to create worlds, characters, and crazy plot twists um, that are as limitless as your creativity. Um, so fiction, in a way, is the ultimate escape. Um, that's where you, as a writer, make the rules. Now, on the other side, if we look at nonfiction, um, nonfiction to me is, is like a dance with reality. It really is about reality, but it also provides the reader with so much freedom, but it's just a freedom that has a different shape. Um, so you're working, when you're writing nonfiction, you're working with actual facts, real life events, and that comes with its own kind of freedom, um, as I just mentioned. So you're not making things up, but you've mm. got the freedom to explore and dive deep into um, you know, uh, the rich richness of true stories. Um, so I guess the beauty of fiction for me is that it's all about um, the freedom to imagine and live that reality that your imagination made possible for you to live, which can be essential for writers who have lived their lives being told who to be and who they cannot be. Um, mm. You know, and I'm particularly referring to writers from migrant and refugee communities. So in fiction, these people can cross all kinds of borders that they're unable to cross in real life. Um, fiction liberates them. It, it really gives them wings to fly. Um, but then again, with nonfiction, you know, nonfiction gives you tools to face your fears. And I... I do a bit of nonfiction writing, you know, given my background as an academic, and I find it, you know, um, you know, the 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 tools it gives you to face your fears and the fear of being who you really are and sharing that with the world, um, is is very powerful. Um, it really also depends on the message you're trying to get across and the version of yourself that you'd like the world to see. Um, so I, I guess, you know, what I'm trying to say is both fiction and nonfiction have healing powers. It just depends on what wounds you're trying to heal and what version of yourself you're looking to resurrect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, you mentioned this earlier uh, about the fact that the magazine is uh, is sent for free to certain refugee centres and hotels where there are new arrivals. Maybe you could tell me a little bit about that. Like, what, what's what's the reason for doing that? We have so far donated nearly fifteen hundred copies of our um, literary magazine to refugee centres, charities, and art centres. We really want to make. Um, our contributors work accessible to people, um, uh, you know, uh, across the country and but also outside the country, um, because it's again it's important um, for us to uh, give our writers that platform to make their stories uh, to share their stories with the world. And I guess it's relevant that you're putting the magazine into places where 
people, there's a good chance that people are going through very specific experiences which may well be reflected in the magazine. So I guess it's kind of, you know, it's, it, 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 you could imagine how it would be useful if you are a new arrival uh, at a hotel and you've been put in a place in this strange country and you don't know anybody. If you pick up a magazine and you find actually someone writing about the time that they found themselves in that situation. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's all about, you know, our shared humanity, isn't it? Um, we want, you know, people, uh, every voice to feel like they can be heard, like there is someone out there interested in what they have to say. And I think that's the whole point of uh, what we do. Um, we we provide hope. Um, that's why we're called the other side of hope. Even if you're on the other side, we can still see you. We are here to, um, you know, to hear your story. So please uh, share it with us. And I think, you know, it's, yes, if if you're a newcomer, um, you know, if you have just arrived in the country, it, in, in this country where you don't know anybody, where you don't have a, a, a network of friends and family um, who can support you, um, you know, maybe, maybe we can do so uh, if you'd like to, to share your story with us. Uh, so, so yes, um, I think the fact that, you know, people can have access to our print editions, uh, but also our online editions on our website, um, the fact that people can have access to those means so much to us. And I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but our print issues, um, uh, can be found uh, and borrowed so you you don't you don't just you know go and buy them if you can't afford to buy them especially people who have just arrived in the country they can uh, borrow uh, our print issues from many libraries uh, across the UK and even outside the UK um, so we donate half of what we print. So since we were established in 2021, we have donated 1500 copies. Right, okay, all right. Well, um, it's a pretty amazing initiative. So um, thank you again for taking the time to talk. Uh, and um, I look forward to seeing more issues of The Other Side of Hope. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, that's all we have time for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to Lena for making the time to speak with me. And if you want to see this thing for yourself, I hope you'll seek out a copy of The Other Side of Hope. If you had the last episode of the podcast, you'll know we had somebody sign up using our podcast code, uh, but I wasn't sure yet whether I could name them. I'm glad to say that's all sorted now. So thanks very much, Irene Cataneo, who bought a subscription to Stack for her boyfriend, Sebastian, in Paris. I hope you're both enjoying the magazines. And thanks also to Stephanie Henderson in Texas, who has also joined our club within a club. Uh, I love it when our listeners become our subscribers. So remember, you could also take the step up and become a full Stack subscriber. Just go to stackmagazines.com and use the code podcast and you'll save 10% on our normal prices uh, and we'll start sending you a different independent magazine every month and of course i'll thank you at the end of our next episode thank you very much for listening to this one and we'll be back with another episode in a couple of weeks